Colleges across the country are starting the fall semester this month. And this summer, they've been grappling with how or whether to bring students back to campus in the middle of a pandemic. It's just wreaking havoc. All the schools are saying, you know, we're doing this with public health, you know, a public health-informed decision-making process. Yet they come to such different conclusions. Our colleague Melissa Korn covers higher education. And she says colleges will have a patchwork of approaches for reopening this year. So we've seen some schools come out quite early and say, we're going to reopen for fall. We're going to do this. Here's how. Then you had other schools say, you know what? We're going to be remote in the fall. We just can't risk it. Then you had everything in between. Some colleges are inviting only freshmen. Some are inviting only seniors. Some are inviting everyone to campus, but still keeping classes remote. And from how frequently to do COVID testing to how to safely run a dining hall, there's a ton to figure out. We had one college president tell us he used to work for the State Department, and he said that figuring out how to reopen campus is harder than putting together the reunification plan of East and West Germany. Wow, which is something he actually worked on. Yes, yes. (laughs) So how does a college figure it all out? Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Ryan Knudsen. It's Thursday, August 13th. Coming up on the show, we talk to one college president about her plan to bring all students back to campus. This episode is brought to you by Mercury. There's an art to making the complex feel simple. Everything should be in sync so that even the smallest part serves a bigger purpose. Simplicity can transform your business operations. That's why Mercury powers your financial workflows from the bank account, giving ambitious companies like yours the precision, control, and focus they need to perform at their best. Apply in minutes at mercury.com. Hello. You have a much uh, nicer looking background than I do. Outside, vacation, that kind of thing. (laughs) Are you on vacation right now? I am, in fact. One has to say, though, college presidents don't really have vacation this summer. That's Dr. Elizabeth Bradley, the president of Vassar College. It's a liberal arts school with around 2,500 students. The campus sits on about 1,000 acres in upstate New York. Before becoming president of Vassar, Elizabeth was a professor of public health at Yale, and a faculty director of the Global Health Leadership Institute. And now, she also serves on Governor Andrew Cuomo's working group about how to reopen New York State. How would you compare the stress that you've experienced this summer with the rest of your career, or the challenge that you've had to face this summer? So I would say that this year has been as tough as any, but I have had some experiences before that have really helped me, I think, cope and also understand a lot of the public health pieces of it. And the more you understand, the more you feel like, okay, I can cope. Well, so let's talk about the decision that you've had to make this summer as it comes to whether or not to reopen the campus in the fall. Can you take me inside that process? How many conversations were you having? Who was involved? How were you trying to sort that out? One thing we did at Vassar was we really started a constant conversation with about 100 
people represented on a committee called Vassar Together, which involved staff, administrators, students, faculty, and they were given sort of a set of 12 problems to think through. How are we going to do this? How are we going to do that? I mean, some weeks they met three times a week for multiple hours each time. Mm -hmm. So we keep all laughing that we just keep on doing the same problem set over and over again, but things shift and we're having an incredibly engaged summer where everybody is kind of working full time on this. Mm -hmm. How did you see the stakes of this decision to reopen or to go remote? Well, the most important stake is people's health. So we knew from the get-go we are not going to reopen unless we feel that we can really keep the students, the faculty, the staff, the administrators healthy. That really was job one. I think another stake is really what is higher education in the era of pandemic? I don't think that we can take this as one pandemic that's going to last a year. I mean, even the 1918 flu lasted three years before things were sort of back to normal. And when this pandemic is over, my global health background tells me there will be more and we'll have climate change. I mean, there are these kinds of health crises are maybe going to be in our future. So I felt that stake was a college learning how to still give the highest quality liberal arts education in the era of pandemic. How do you do it? How do you adapt to that? How were the school's finances factored into what you were weighing? Well. All of this costs money to be able to have the right PPE, to hire the right cleaning staff, to change classrooms around, put in new filters for the HVAC. I mean, it really goes on and on. And the way we really looked at it is these are investments in the future. And I kept remembering how before technology or computers, colleges couldn't believe they'd actually have to buy everybody a computer. Well, today, you just wouldn't even think about not doing that. So I think these are the kinds of costs that we have to start to understand and come to terms with. You know, it's hard. It's definitely hard. And there's going to be some years of adaptation. But I think the strongest institutions will be able to make that shift. Were you worried that students might not enroll if you went entirely remote and that that might have a negative impact on the school's finances? We absolutely knew that students would probably not enroll in quite the same numbers if we went completely remote. And the real impact of that was to think, what's our mission? You know, we believe from the get-go that no matter what gets sent our way, our mission is to give the highest quality liberal arts education in a diverse and inclusive setting. And so we've been really bent on that. And if our mission is to deliver this education and people don't want it, if it's all remote, then where are we as an institution? Mm -hmm. So you sort of thought that it's not really the full college experience if it's remote. Well, I think something we really are learning is liberal arts residential college is a lot more than the academics. It's really developmental for a young adult. You're bringing someone from adolescence to young adulthood. And during that time, we want them to develop empathy. We want them to develop kind of diverse thinking, like putting themselves in someone else's shoes, seeing kind of the other side of an issue, whatever it is. And that's hard to do unless you've got some residential face-to-face interactive components that really bring you into relationship with each other. I think it can be done online to some extent, particularly if you already know each other. But the full experience of a four-year learning that sort of empathic, diverse, open way of thinking, I think needs residential life. 
So now that you've made the decision to move forward with reopening in the fall, can you talk about what the biggest risks of that decision are and how you're trying to mitigate them? Yeah. Well, the biggest risk that I see right now is the capacity to bring all the students back, which we're doing over a three-week period. But the biggest challenge is be sure we get all these students from all over the country and some international onto the campus, tested and fully negative as fast as we possibly can. And we really are trying to use public health 101 in how to do this. About 300 students are showing up just about every three days. And we're staggering that on purpose. Students must have a pre-arrival test before they get to campus within seven days. If they don't, they'll immediately go to an isolated single and we'll have testing within the first three days. And we have a company that'll get us the test back in two days. So we really won't let any student who hasn't tested negative be living in the dorm with everybody else. And even after that first test, then within about five days after the first test, we'll have a second test that'll be confirmatory. So for many people, they'll have one before, they'll have one the first day, and they'll have one at day five. We believe by August 31st, which is when classes begin, we'll really know anybody who was positive was immediately isolated. Anybody who was contact of a positive case has been quarantined. And we're just about to the place where everybody is negative. That's really what our goal is. And the unique characteristics about Vassar that help it then stay safe is it's quite bounded. You know, it's a thousand acres and it is separated from the city. It really is its own community. And we're working hard to keep that boundary strong during the fall where students stay on campus, we bring services to them, but once they're negative, really trying to keep it that way on campus. So you're kind of almost trying to create your own bubble. Yeah, every college isn't able to do it, but I think Vassar is uniquely positioned to have this model work. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Workday. Get the whole band together with Workday and pair finance and HR on one platform for an epic performance. With Workday AI at the core, you'll make confident decisions faster than ever, and you'll drive flawless business and finance operations with an agile platform that constantly evolves to future-proof your organization. Be a finance and HR rock star with Workday. Visit Workday.com to learn more. What other rules are going to be in place for students during this time? Are they, as long as people are testing negative, can they just sort of go about college life as they normally would? No, college life will not be like it usually is. We will definitely be adapting. Everybody needs to wear a mask really at all times, unless they're alone in their room or they are stationary outside with six feet between them and anyone else. Then, you know, if they're sitting down and having a class outside or they're sitting down and they're having a picnic outside and everyone's six feet away, they can take off their masks. Otherwise, it's going to be masks for everybody. We're cleaning the bathrooms more regularly, tons of hand sanitizer everywhere, and kind of a norm of taking care of each other we're really trying to develop, which I think, again, at a community like Vassar, where classes are quite small, where you're able to really feel like you're all part of one community, we'll be able to get that kind of peer pressure and social norming 
What about parties? I mean, college students often <laughs> have a reputation for that. How are you going to manage things outside of the boundaries of school? Yeah, at Vassar in the fall, there will be no authorized parties. Students, of course, are signing a Vassar Together pledge or commitment that says, we promise we will behave in the following ways, which that whole commitment was written by students and faculty together. So that's been our goal is to get the community to develop these expectations so that it will feel more like they wanted this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're really saying, please, if you don't want to live this way, stay home and study remotely. And that's totally fine. But if you do want to live this way with these different caveats, then by all means, come back. How are you going to enforce these rules on students if some of them don't comply or they are constantly wearing their mask, you know, below their nose? Right. So, Assuming that the violation, if you will, of the expectation is minor, the person will get educated about it because we are an educational institution. And then there will be some kind of restorative process. And in time, if they really just flout the expectation in any way, they'll be asked to study remotely. For something egregious like having a party and refusing to shut it down, we've all said easily we will ask students to leave campus. Because they can study remotely, we would just say, this just isn't for you. I mean, you weren't ready to make these kinds of commitments. I want to ask about tuition. Are are you charging the full amount that you normally do? Yes, we have not changed the tuition. And some parents have asked about this. And we've thought a fair amount about this. But there's several reasons for that. The first is that actually our costs are higher. They're not lower. As we talked about earlier, we're having to do so much extra planning, staffing, physical changes, PPE, HVAC, all of this, that that's our costs really are higher. The second thing is that we are still giving Vassar credit, which confers a Vassar degree. And the Vassar degree is as valuable as it's ever been in the marketplace. So both the cost of production and the value that I think we are providing have really not changed. And so our tuition has not changed. Do you think, though, that the experience that students get this year is equal to the value that they would get in a normal year? On campus, I actually think that the experience can be transformational. I mean, think about what it takes to be an outstanding young adult in today's world. The ability to think outside the box, the ability to care about somebody else, to build that sort of interdependence, interconnectedness, and be comfortable with that. It's so different from the United States individualism to rather really think about what it is to be part of a community. I think that kind of skill and capacity our students will develop this year might be more valuable than in previous years. That's a hopeful way of thinking about it. Yeah, it is. What's the reaction been to the reopening plan among students, parents, and also faculty members? Well, The reaction to the reopening plan has been generally like, wow, we're going to do it. You know, a certain amount of pioneer, (laughs) bold, sort of aligned with Vassar's values from the very beginning when Matthew Vassar decided to start Vassar College on the eve of the Civil War. And he did it. And Vassar College lived through the 1918 pandemic and used a lot of the strategies we're using to get through it, actually. So there is a certain amount of chutzpah (laughs) that people feel in, we can do this. We've been through tough things before and we'll be 
through tough things again. However, there's also been a huge amount of, okay, let's look at every single detail. You know, exactly how is this going to work? How are you going to be sure when they sign in and get their key that you have a negative test on them? And parents, you know, they ask thousands of questions, all good, that have made us be absolutely meticulous in our planning. What are the thresholds that you've set, if any, to shutting the campus down again if cases spike in the area or spike among students or faculty members? One of the most important things you have to think about if you're going to reopen is how you're going to shut down. We know how many isolation and quarantine beds we have. If those got too full, like if they were more than 75 or 80 percent full, then we wouldn't be in a safe situation because if there were an outbreak then, how would we actually keep everybody safe? So that would give us some pause. Another is the sheer number of cases. And we thought about 5% of students, if they were to have COVID, we would be having very serious conversations with the local public health department. And it would depend a bit on whether we knew these are all related to one or two cases. That's a different situation. But if they are really, we don't know what their source is, we'd be starting to look pretty serious at that. How replicable is the plan that you've come up with to other colleges? I think there's some key characteristics that a college needs to be able to pull off the model that Vassar is undertaking. The first thing is it does need to be able to separate itself from the larger community physically. And so if you're a college or a university in the middle of an urban setting, I don't see how it can happen. I know some are trying to say, well, we'll test people constantly and that's how we'll know But I just don't think you can test enough to make it safe if you're in the middle of an urban setting and students are going on and off, on and off, and you just can't control it. So that's key. I think it also helps to be a college that has small classes. Almost, I don't know, 80% of our classes have fewer than 20 people in them. So then if they have to decompress and have six feet between them, you can really find the space. And I think that's just fundamental. Well, thanks so much. Thanks so much. It was fun talking to you. And um, I'll try to keep you posted of what happens. Yeah, I will be very curious now to see how it goes. Yeah. Well, our first uh, batch of students arrived and all had their COVID tests and they were returned in two days, all negative. So we've started off good. So off we go. That's all for today. Thursday, August 13th. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and The Wall Street Journal. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.